0: Hey everybody i'm graham parker welcome back to the around pickens podcast so it's 2024 now and typically a new year means new resolutions and i'm sure you've probably thought of all those old familiar favorites like finally getting in the gym or really getting your retirement fund on track this year just in case you're looking for suggestions i'd like to add one more to your list recycling now hold on a second hear me out on this what if i told you that here in pickens we have one of the premier recycling departments in all of north georgia a way of doing things so good that other counties come to us when they want to improve their own operations. Conveniently, we have two locations in the county. One on Appalachian Court, to stop 515, and another off Cove Road for you EastEnders. Now, they take garbage as well as recycling products, but what I've discovered from personal experience is that there is a whole lot less garbage to throw away once you've taken out all of the paper, cardboard, metal, glass, and most of the plastics. I kid you not when i began separating my recycling it drastically reduced how much i was throwing away and spending on trash services but you know in spite of knowing those facts i may have never even started if i hadn't been so intimately acquainted with the program myself you see i began my illustrious career with the Pickens county government back in april of 2020 when i started working at the now defunct camp road recycling location and today we're going to hear from my old boss recycling and solid waste director kenny woodard now kenny is an out-of-towner from rome but don't hold that against him, It's no exaggeration to say that in the last three and a half years, he has completely flipped our recycling operations around for the better. And that's what we're going to discuss today about how our program is designed with both customer satisfaction as well as fiscal responsibility in mind. So come on along, let's hear what Kenny has to say about recycling. Skinny, so Kenny, after uh, having worked with you for about a year and a half, I know your entry into the uh, world of recycling uh, was a little unorthodox. I think it's a pretty great story. Can you tell uh, the folks at home how you got started in the recycling business and how you ended up over here in Pickens?
1: Okay. Uh, well, start off, appreciate being here today. Uh, you know, everybody needs to know about recycling. We mm-hmm. need to get that out broader than what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, it started out, I went to college, become electrician, left a job at about 20 years to another job. Played out in about a year and a half, got laid off. And then I had a friend of mine say, medical field, law enforcement, always a job. So I ended up going to work for the state as a corrections officer. Done that for about a year and a half. Transferred to the county, where I became an outside detail officer. And then there was a joke went around the county was, they always sent the new guys to work at recycle. Well, an officer was out, so my time come. Showed up, kind of enjoyed it. Boss called me and said, "Hey, you done a good job. I'm about to use you some more." About two weeks later, the officer got sick. I spent six weeks over there. Next thing you know, I got hired in. So now I'm part of Recycle. Well, become a floor officer. From there, I went to assistant manager. And then, uh, I won't call his name, Tom Benefield, the manager there. He took me underneath his wing, showed me everything he knew about recycling, what we was doing to save the world, and, and how to sell commodities, collect them, how to reach out to people and get them involved. So, you know, that made a lot of credit for putting me where I'm at right now. And then uh, the county decided they want to build a better, better facility. So uh, the one where they were at right now, actually Pickens County was coming through looking at upgrading from what they was doing. And one thing led to another. They wanted me to come up, look at what they had, and they offered me a job. So that's how I ended up in Pickens County.
0: And that was back in uh, the spring of 2020.
1: 2020.
0: I started in March of 2020. So, um, a lot has obviously changed in the last three and a half years from how we were doing things before to how things are now over on Appalachian Court. Can you just give us a broad idea of how recycling operations have changed in that time?
1: Okay. Well, um, I'm going to copy from uh, Michael Shore. He's all time telling people we went from the dark ages at Camp Road to a, whole, to a whole new universe at the new center. The old center was sort of set up backwards a little bit. You know, you had a lot of cars coming in and going. It wasn't really... A, a direct path to, to carry so with that idea in mind we went to the new center which you know the county had bought the self recycling facility and after we all sat down and decided a drive through recycle center anything that makes it easier for the public to use they will use you've heard the old saying if you build it they will come well if you build it better they will keep coming so uh, with that in mind that we made it where it's more user friendly customer friendly and to make people want to recycle I mean, it's a nice facility. You know, I don't know if you remember the, the family that come in just to have pictures made in front of the aluminum cans. They thought that was artwork. So, okay. But, uh, yeah, the facility's changed a lot. It's actually, um, it went from single stream where you dumped all your recycling together, and then the county paid for a pickup and a sorting fee at the place it went to. Whereas now, we have education, which, you know, you made the video with us, which we appreciate that. And people can go online and look at the video, and it shows them how to come in recycle and um, it's actually been a good 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 setup you know the county's benefited from a lot from it because you know we don't have a landfill so everything's being recycled is actually going somewhere you know we have different vendors that want the products so that's that's been a real good help with us finding the the right person to take the loads is what we're doing because i want to make sure everything that we are recycling is being recycled not end up the landfill at night somewhere or anything like that mm-hmm.
0: What's we'll touch a little bit on that uh, user-friendliness of the place? Uh, if somebody hasn't been to the center before and they came over there
1: this morning, uh, give us an idea, what, what would that be like for them? Well, they'd be met at the gate by Linda, and then she'd ask them what they had, and she'd point them in the right direction to an employee. And then the employees are there, our staff is there to help either introduce you to recycling or show you where to go. So it's all hands-on with our, our, our people. I mean, it's it's a learning experience once you first come in, but after you've done it once or twice, it's just a, it, it becomes a natural. It's just you know part of the day. Mm-hmm. But we have well, our staff helps everybody, and that's what makes us so good. with what we're doing.
0: Well, now you offer a wide variety of services there. Uh, a lot are probably underutilized or just unknown to a lot of people. Correct. What what are some of the ones that aren't being used?
1: Well, we have the a free paper shredding service for documentation. And I mean. We just request that people take their papers out of folders, remove their paper clips, and binders, and then if they have a big load, call ahead so somebody's there to, to do it. But um, I mean, it's a free service. We're a, if you go to Staples or somewhere, they charge you. Mm-hmm. We don't charge nobody. So that's just one of the free things. And then, you know, we have the oil and antifreeze drop-off. It's a free drop-off. And if you got old gas grills, washers and dryers, it's a free metal drop-off there, too. And then you're like, we do the recycling. Everything that we recycles is free.
0: I'd like to ask you about the main recyclables, uh, sort of how you have things set up. You know, a lot of counties, you come over there, you put all your recycling products into a compactor, drive off. But at our center, you actually uh, have it to where it needs to be sorted out. Why do you have the sorting system set up the way you do?
1: Okay, where I come from before, to actually sort things, you have to build a sorting system line. And that's expensive. And then you had cost a lot in employees to run it. Whereas, what we have set up right now, you actually can come in and you're actually sorting it for free. And then you've got our employees they will help you with it. But by sorting it yourself, the products are not contaminated like a single stream, like he was talking about a second ago. If everything's dumped together, a milk jug might bust open and get the paper cardboard contaminated. Well, that stuff can't be recycled once it's, it's contaminated. So with our setup, it's contaminated free just about. And plus, it gives the customers an option of, you know, you pay a dollar a bag for your trash. And if you've got five bags and you can actually sort two bags into recyclables, that's two bags you don't have to pay for. Mm-hmm. So that's the actual, that helps the customers.
0: Yeah, definitely does. Let's talk about the recycling products themselves. Once folks drop it off and they drive away, what happens next?
1: Okay. Each bay is built to a certain dimension. So we know that when it's full of that commodity or that recyclable, that that's a bale. And then we take and build it up, stack it in stores. We get a load, and then we ship it out to bidders, Well, we actually bid it out, and then the highest bid wins the load, and then we ship it out to them, and then they take it to their plant, and process it back into cardboard or paper or aluminum cans or which are what they buy. But the sorting system is uh, actually gives the customers uh, an opportunity to know what they're doing and why it's being recycled, and they're keeping it separated, and they know, hey, here's a load of aluminum cans. I mean. In six weeks, they say that that same aluminum can be back on the shelf. So by keeping it sorted, it keeps it contaminated free. That's the big thing. So uh, how many loads have we sent out this year? Let's see. This year, I can tell you we've bailed 1,400 bales this year. Over the last years before, we've done about 1,000. So we've actually about a little over a third more than we have been doing. It takes 33 bales to go into a trailer, around 40,000 pounds. Different products are lighter and some are heavier, so it takes more bales or less bales, depending on what the commodity is.
0: What are the primary materials you're sending out?
1: That would be paper and cardboard. Mm -hmm. We're averaging about maybe three loads of cardboard a month. Um, On average, a load of paper a week, I mean a month. And then everything else is sort of every three to four months by the load. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. And you see some things uh, are more common at different parts of the year, right? During the summer, you'll get more aluminum cans, you get more instance. aluminum
1: cans and water bottles in the summer. And then around Christmas time, present times, we get a lot of paper and cardboard. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I've got – this year in OCC, we shipped out 880,000 pounds of cardboard. Mm-hmm. And then my, uh, paper, we shipped out 400,000. Plastic, 140,000 pounds. And then that's a total of about hundred and 1.4 million pounds. Then when you add the aluminum and the metal, that puts us at about 1.7 million pounds this year. We've kept out of a landfill. That's been shipped out. Jeez. And to, and to be
0: clear, like before we had constructed the new center, we had the baler. Uh, none of that was happening. All of it was being just sent out to a landfill.
1: Sent out to a landfill. Well, the single stream was actually going to West Rock. Mm-hmm. They would sort and separate it So they had a facility for it. And that Was that was costing in pool fees and then they charge you to take your recycles? Whereas here it's it's a free drop off, we just bail it up and ship it out. It's a smoother system, mm-hmm.
0: and those shipments going out that's money coming back to the Ready county, to come back. yes, sir. Very good,
1: sure is. We do it's know- not what you think because right now, it's recyclables like stock market mm-hmm. sometimes it's valuable, sometimes it's not. Like right now, everything's on the bottom end, hopefully. When you're coming in, the commodities will sell for a better price. But for the last year and a half, they've been really low. Hmm. What what affects the uh, price going up and down? Oil. If oil's cheaper, they'll make product. Hmm. If it's higher, they'll, they will want recyclables.
0: Well, since operations have changed, I know a number of other counties have come and consulted with you uh, about revamping their own operations. Can you tell me why is it that other governments in the region look at Pickens County when they're thinking about recycling?
1: there's a lot of thought putting in hours, you know, that you was part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a crew there that was like, this was what was going on before. So their input meant a lot to me and with the county. So we took their input and we talked to customers and we made it where, like I said, if you build it, they'll come. If you build it correctly, they'll use it. So I can't say we, uh, we have state of art equipments there. The biggest thing is, is um, our setup is not, is, is less than none. I mean, it's it's perfect. It can be improved, but the other counties are coming to me by or to our county and looking at what we're doing. Because, how are you doing this? So we just showed them. I call it the kiss method. Just keep it simple, and that's what we do. Just keep it simple. Mm-hmm. The simpler it is, the easier it is, and more people use it. User friendly. Yep. Now the other counties are sort of modeling us in a way. They're not building what we're doing because you know the county has put a lot of money in the center and. A lot of counties don't want to do that. But everybody wants to recycle. So we're already set up to process. So we're here to help. And we've helped a lot of counties. You know, Chris has put me in contact with some commissioners, and I've met with them and talked with them. And they've come and looked at the facility, and they're they're amazed with it, and they like it. They like the setup. just because we kept it simple. Mm-hmm. And I that's just the way things need to be. I, when you start making things hard and complicated, and you make a lot of changes, people stop using it. So you just go the route of, make it easy but yeah there's a lot of we had like dawson right now where they're actually back into recycling everything they recycle they bring to us and we bail it and um union county does the same thing they're in the process of getting them a baler so we're helping them out to the point where they get their baler they'll be doing like us processing their own product and then um Cherokee county they do a lot of uh, residential but they do a commercial so they send all the commercial up to us so we we stay busy from a the surrounding region area right here with a lot of people.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of help, I know right here in the community you partner with a number of local organizations. Can you tell us about some of those organizations and different projects you work on together?
1: Now, we are, I'm on the board with Keep Picking's Beautiful. I work with Veard and and the girls and the guys out with them and um, this last year we've actually done two events at the center where we took in the old CRT TVs. Those you can't throw in the landfill because they have mercury in them and they just can't be dumped out. So, we've set up people would come by to the center want to do their TVs and I'd have them contact them and then when they got a certain amount of people they would contact those people and say we're going to do it on this Saturday so everybody would show up and um, I mean, it's helped a lot it's helped tremendously with us because a lot of people want to get rid of the CRTs so by being working with them and hand in hand with them and, and then you know they do the trash litter pickup so as long as you're a member of the uh, the road pickup you can bring your road pickup to us for free and we take it for free so that helps that's an incentive for mm-hmm. people to get out and pick up the roads, they don't have to pay for it to be thrown away, so they just bring it to us. And then um, they actually keep piggins has a statistics thing that you can go online and, and look what roads have been maintained, how often they've been picked up and cleaned.
0: Off the top of your head, do you remember what their website is?
1: Um, it should be KP. I'd have to find out for you. <laughs> we'll
0: have a link to it down in the description. But uh, Kenny, what, what's the best way for folks to get in touch with you and keep up with what's happening at the center?
1: Okay. I'm not the smartest man, but here we go. We actually have a Facebook page, and we have a web page. Our web page is, it's, it's done it real nice. It's um, pickingsgarecycling.com. And that way you can go in, and it, we have a, our pages set up to show what we take. It shows our hours. It shows our holiday hours. It's set up, and it has a Q&A. There's questions that haven't been answered on there, so you can look through, and it might be answering your question you need, or you can leave a question, and somebody will get back with you about the question. We're good. I want
0: to ask you something that's maybe a little abstract, but what would you say the real-world impact has been of our recycling program?
1: Just um, with us not having a landfill in Pickens County, the more we recycle, the less it's having to go out to another landfill, which... You know, you break it down. If you go to Walmart and you buy groceries, I tell, I tell people this all the time, if you go to Walmart and buy groceries, you're going to put those groceries up in the refrigerator. So when you get done using that product, set you a few bags at home and take them right back out. You open a can, put a can here, a bottle there. Now, what I tell a lot of people is you don't have to bring every single bit of your recycling every time you come to the center. As a bag fills up or a box, bring that commodity. That way you're not bringing a bag with one bottle or... 10 pounds of paper or one piece of cardboard.
0: So, The last thing I really want to ask you is what is your pitch to people who aren't recycling already? Why should they start?
1: Well, we've got one earth and landfills are few and far between and they're expensive to build. The more we recycle, the more material we have to be reused back into the system. So, you know, recycling is a big thing. A lot of people don't look at it that way, but Recycling save the world, mm-hmm. especially landfills. And a water bottle thrown out the window, you pull in, you can throw it out your window into my bay at work when we're at the center. So, I mean, it's a simple thing. Instead of throwing it out on the side, just bringing it, throw it into us. Absolutely.
0: Well, Kenny Woodard is Pickens County's Recycling and Solid Waste Director. Thanks for coming in this morning, Kenny. Thank you for having me. Folks, I don't want to preach to you, but I sincerely believe that there's a lot of value in recycling. Whether you're looking to do your part to help save the earth or just save your wallet every little bit helps. One thing Kenny didn't mention is that the center offers tours for any group that may be interested. This can be helpful for school-age kids learning about the environment or working on a merit badge. So please reach out if that's something you think would be helpful. The department's contact information and website will be linked down in the description, along with links to keep Pickens beautiful. Thanks again to Kenny and all the other recycling employees working to keep Pickens clean and green. And we're going to close out the episode now with our question to the chairman, the part of the show where you, the viewer, gets to ask a question to Chris Stansel. So let's head on over and hear what viewers wanted to know. So Chris, I know before this, you worked uh, public safety with the sheriff's office for a number of years. I'm curious, in the many winters uh, that you had as a deputy, what was the most memorable cold weather emergency you ever responded to? Uh, One year... When
2: uh, the ice, uh, it just all of a sudden the roads iced over, I think it was the same year that Atlanta almost completely shut down, we had a lot of motorists get stranded um, at that point in time. So trying to pick up those people and get them back to a safe place when it was unsafe for us to really be driving at the same time uh, created probably the most challenges. I can't remember exactly what year that was. Um, But throughout times prior to that, just trying to work through how do, you, how do you get to citizens in need when, when inclement weather has happened? And I know that, that, that throughout the country, there are a lot of states that have way more uh, winter weather than us, but they're equipped for it. They, they keep the salt trucks, they keep the scrapes, they keep a lot of things to, to run, you know, and it's just a part of their standard operating procedures. Where we are, realistically, two, maybe three times a year that we, we encounter and face those type conditions that... It, it creates a little bit of a challenge. I know that there's been a lot of work to ensure more four-wheel drive vehicles, um, both for, for fire so that they have, they have rescue vehicles to get out, but also with the sheriff's office to continue being able to respond and, and make it safely to, um, to calls for service um, have always been, been a challenge to try to make sure. Um, the other times were when there were significant power outages for an extended period of time is trying to ensure, you know, our our people safe um, was always a a big challenge. And, I mean, that challenge is is carried over for sure, you know, outside of public safety just into taking care of the public in general uh, Mm -hmm. for us.
0: So we've had a few. (laughs) (laughs) I believe it. Well, keeping people safe, is kind of what we're talking about today. Uh, For anyone who didn't see the previous uh, episode, we spoke with our EMA director, Mark Harris, about how to prepare for cold weather emergencies as we move into that. Uh, One viewer found it a little bit lacking, and I'll read you the question that we got. Uh, She says, hey, something I didn't hear Mark talk about in this past episode was warming shelters. Where are they? When are they open? How are people supposed to know about them? That's something folks need to know about this time of year. So, you know, she's absolutely right about that, Chris. What what can you tell us about warming shelters here in Pickett's? So we, we've
2: we tried a few different things. Um, what we have found that works the best right now, um, the, the sheriff has been willing to open up. He runs a 24-7 facility. And I know people have a negative connotation because the jail's on one side of the building. The other side is actually an administrative wing with a large training room. Um, and so when issues occur or when there's a need for someone to have a warm place to go they have opened up to be the initial location so that individuals that need a place to go to to be warm there's there's restrooms there there's the potential to have food there there's there's a lot of things that are already in place that don't require a full opening of a of a facility and so they use their their training room at the the sheriff's office. And and like most things right now when you're trying to get immediate information out, we use the the social media accounts of, of you know, EMA, the sheriff's office, the county, all those different locations for for social media. In the event of a long-term outage or something that that's that's continued beyond there we would we would then upgrade to a code red um, that way anyone who has signed up through the code red system could receive a phone call or a text depending on how they have that set up to let them know that that, that is available that it is open and up and running if we have um, a, a number of people that show up at that location and and let's say, you know, 10 people are, are in need and they're in that location, that would trigger us then trying to open up a more, um, a more permanent's not the right word, but a more long-term solution and we would use our community center at Parks and Recreation um, and bring in the, the staff to take care of that. The Sheriff's Auxiliary, which is a nonprofit group of, of volunteers that have worked closely with EMA in the past, have actually equipped um, to be able to set up that shelter at that point in time, with with bedding, with staffing, things of that nature. So if we have something that's long term, we've we've opened it. I don't know, probably a dozen times, um, with very limited number of responses. I think the most that have ever used that location was was four or five uh, individuals, and then once they were able to connect with either family or friends, they moved into into that location. So they they've ran for. Anywhere from from one cycle of twelve hours up to you know three or four days, and so it's been more of a monitoring the the need who shows up at the initial warming shelter to, will trigger whether or not we move into opening up a more long term solution. Um, we've reached out to to counties all around us um, as to how they meet this need, and in a lot of communities, it's nonprofits and churches that come on board and say, we are going to open up our, our facility for a warming shelter. And we would then serve as the tool to get that information out to the public, using the same, you know, social media, Code Red, all those different platforms to try to make sure that we get that word out. And I know last year, around Christmas time when we hit the single-digit temperatures, we had a, a couple of different, we had a church that had opened up to, to do just that. Uh, the town of talking rock actually opened up a, a a wing in their city hall to be able to provide a, a, a warm place as well and we we get that information out so that we make it publicly available we've spoken to to other churches um, throughout the community that, that just kind of are watching for the scope or the scale of of being able to and, and when you use the word shelter it kind of changes and if you get into emergency management terms there's warming centers which are a place to go and just get warm throughout the day, but they're not open throughout the night for, for bedding, um, for a place to stay. So when you use the term shelter, it becomes more of an overnight situation. And I think some of the, the different local churches, some of the other nonprofits and groups like that don't have the facilities to do the overnight lodging. They don't have the shower facilities. They don't have, you know, some of the things that would be necessary for overnight. They have a warm place. Um, Many of them have generators. Many of them have a, a lot of things that can provide short-term, you know, get them out of the elements, try to do all we can to, to take care of the people that are that are in need while we try to then gather together to work on long-term solutions for each group individually. So it's it's fluid. It's not something that's just a set in stone that this is exactly how we do it. We kind of monitor the the scope and the scale. But our first response over the last several years has been the, the Sheriff's Office opening up their training link, allowing people to, to come there, sharing that information on every available site that we can. And then if it does produce a need that's larger, we look at bringing staff in and open up a larger facility to, to make sure it's provided. So it kind of, that's, that's one of the reasons it's a harder question to, to walk through and explain because it depends on the situation. Um, I know that that uh, there are a, a number of different ways other communities have have handled this. The one that seems the most successful are the partnerships with the the local faith based communities that they open their doors, and then the, the the government does all they can to get that information out to, to, to pro- provide you know hey here's where it's at, here's when it's going to be open, here's the rules um, that that facility may have as to whether they you know whether you accept pets, whether you whatever those terms may be. Um, And then we we work to to try to provide that information out to the
0: public. Well, I think that's a good reminder. Just social media is really the primary mode of getting messaging out there, whether it's for our government, other municipal governments, or really any other resource in the community. So I would just like to encourage everyone, if you're not already uh, following some of these challenges, you should definitely do that and sign up for the Code Red emergency system just to get that information.
2: Absolutely. Code Red's the one of the best tools that we have for anyone that signs up. Uh, you, you, you get immediately notified when these things happen, not just with inclement weather. Uh, there have been times we've used it for road closures. There have been times when other emergencies have occurred um, that, that we're able to get that information out. They can target what part of the county that goes out to. Um, but it's the best tool for making sure someone who's not on social media um, that they still are able to get that information. We're trying to find those. You know, when you if we could say we're going to run an ad in the paper, but it's a weekly newspaper, so it's you're not going to receive it at the time that it's needed during that point in time. Uh, we've we've used the the message boards, road signs, a time or two. It just depends if the, if there's inclement weather with road and ice. Obviously, we're not going to be able to move road signs out safely into into position to to get that information out immediately we will but it's going to be you know after we've tried to deal with the emergency first and then uh, adding that that service in there so mm-hmm. it's uh it's 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 definitely something each year you, you just gonna kind of have to monitor how the weather plays out as to what the the actual response is and I think we've got some incredible men and women at different at different, churches and, and other nonprofits that will open up and, and start trying to provide for, for those needs when they when they occur and then we do all we can to to share that information to the to the public.
0: Well, Chris, thank you for that response. Uh, remember if you have a question for Chris you can send it to us at questions at pickenscountyga.gov. if your question is concise enough and appropriate enough we might just put it on the air. But that'll wrap up this episode of the Around Pickens Podcast. I'm Graham Parker. And I'm Chris Stansel. And we'll see you around.